Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. This Spiritual Fix presents TSF Shorts. A potluck of preludes between episodes. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to our short where we are going to be talking all things houses, including infrasound, haunted houses, awakening your house, and making it a home for angels and demons. Enjoy. Hello, Anna. Hello, Christina. How are you? <laughs> Such a beautiful melodic voice you have, Anna. Are you, are you joking with me? No, I was just like, I came on and I'm like, hello, Anna. And you're like, hello, Christina. How are you? <laughs> uh, After I just yelled, get off the phone. You're so loud. I'm recording. <laughs> and after I was just like, totally whinging i was having a, a really good complaint session just before we started recording what did um, you call it whinging whinging that's an australian term and i've always appreciated that it might be just like a british term but like in australia if you were complaining you would call it whinging and i don't know you know like so many things that may have had like a dirty connotation i just didn't know but i really appreciate that so yeah yeah in other and in, in, in interesting news, I finally launched my inner villain quiz. You took it the other day, right? Yeah, I liked it. Can we put it in the show notes for people to take? Yes, it would be amazing if we put it in the show notes for people to take. I have the it was, co. It was go ahead. I was gonna say it hit the nail on the head for me. It was very good, and then I had my stepdaughter take it, and we read her results, and I was like, "This is totally her." It was <laughs> it was really interesting. Yep. So it's, it's fun that there's a quiz that can help people kind of understand what it is that we're talking about. And the, uh, the fall, fall transformation circle that I'm holding, which is going to start in the middle of November of 2023 is starting to fill up. So that's pretty awesome. So it's really nice. So today, Anna, we're going to talk about some random stuff and it's going to somehow weave together in some magical way as it usually does when we are guided by Archangel heaven's commissioner of police. <laughs> you want to explain that? Yes. Somebody sent me a picture of somebody they know who has a coin for Archangel Michael. And it said, what did it say, Anna? Oh, St. Michael, heaven's glorious commissioner of police, protect us from evil. And I just thought that was really cute, especially because I feel like it's really appropriate. Because like whenever you've channeled Archangel Michael, it's been very, he's very like much a rule follower. Like he's very much so like gotta follow the rules everything's very orderly like he actually works in my mind as a commissioner of police with his fiery sword yeah i think he's very structured 
Yes, he is, which is why I appreciate him for that. Right. Many things. Right. And which is why the ADHD Archangel Uriel is somehow mine. And then it just exacerbates a problem that I already have, which is spiraling off into other topics while channeling. So kind of funny. Anyway, so we're going to be talking first about infrasound. For those of you who do not know what infrasound is, infrasound is the it's a natural sound that exists at frequencies so low that they cannot be consciously heard by humans but they aren't in other they weren't they aren't heard by our ears and they aren't even necessarily heard as like like elf like ultra low frequencies that you can like that like are like humming or something along those lines but what they are studying right now and there's a particular scientist who's an acoustic scientist at the national physical laboratory in england is that and his name is richard lord is studying the fact that some people think that this infrasound is actually responsible for people feeling as if a place is haunted and so an example of this and what i mean by haunted is like bizarre effects like feeling anxiety extreme sorrow chills you know, feeling as if even seeing stuff out of the corner of your eyes have been associated with this kind of infrasound that we're seeing. And so one of the uh, experiments that this Richard Lord did was he produced an infrasound with a 23 foot or seven meter pipe and tested its impact on 750 people at a concert in order to kind of generate this infrasound. The What they did was that they found that they, they basically played four contemporary pieces of live music, including some that were laced with infrasound. The audience did not know which pieces included infrasound, but 22% reported more unusual experiences when it was present in the, in the music. So their unusual experiences included feeling uneasy or sorryful, sorrowful, getting chills down the spine or nervous feelings of revulsion or fear. And one of the theories that is going around this, which I think is really fascinating, is that there's this idea that maybe infrasound is, it goes way, way back in our, in our lineage to the time in which we lived in caves. There's a part of me in my channel that is like, I don't know if we ever actually lived in caves, but obviously there are examples of like Mesa Verde and all these other different places that we've talked about where people are living on cliffs or inside caves. But the idea is that we became habituated to these infrasounds because it was indication that something might happen to the cave that we were in, right? That like the infrasound was the first like clue that something fundamentally was going to happen, like either an earthquake or that the cave was going to, to, uh, to collapse or something along those lines. So as a result of it, we developed this kind of really deep fear of it. And so the idea, some person, some people postulate that haunted houses are almost always associated with like old and decrepit buildings. And so in some ways, maybe these old and decrepit buildings are actually falling down and are, and because they're kind of decaying in a similar way that they are unstable, structurally unstable. It's like some sixth sense that we have that the place that we're staying in is bad. And infrasound is like the thing that scientists have correlated to what it is that like makes us feel uneasy. Very interesting. So it, when you walk into a home, it might be unsafe in some way. Maybe the foundation is shifting, but we just interpret it as it's haunted or there's bad, you know, bad omens. Right. So when you muscle test it, though, this is this is the test. When you muscle test it, Anna, do you get that ghosts are 
create infrasound or that infrasound allows ghosts or that they're not correlated at all? I get that the infrasound allows the ghosts. Yes, that's what I got too. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's totally what I got, that there's something with... They can somehow like squeeze into that dimension of sound or travel on that vibration somehow. Exactly. It's a vibration that allows... Because if you think of it, because like when I... When I do all my stuff with, with energy healing, the, the pressure and sound is a specific body and it's one in which allows the movement of like the quote unquote ghost in a very different way. So it makes a lot of sense to me that pressure or sound or changes in pressure and sound is actually what can cause these different things to happen. And, and in a lot of ways, I also feel like if I would be really curious if with infrasound, it's not just with like deteriorating buildings or like, you know, the sound that we can't hear, but it's also like, you know how you get chills when somebody says something to you that feels like truth, right? But it's like a really deep truth. And it's something that like, you didn't even understand was truth. That's kind of, you know, when people are like, oh my God, I have chills. It's like, I always associate that with someone being like, I know this is true. And I never would have thought it was true. I don't know. What do you think it is when, when somebody does that? I, I should expand out the the feeling for that when somebody does what exactly i i didn't really track it sorry. oh my god i got uh, oh my god i got chills right when someone says oh my god i got chills what i'm saying is that when somebody says oh my god i got chills it's because their body is telling them that it's true oh i don't think that's always why why do you think well sometimes it's because you have an emotional response too but what is your what is your thought that you're having an emotional response you don't think it's because it's true not always Interesting. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, having chills is a telltale sign that something's true. I think it's a telltale sign that there's some energy shift happening. Like, I'll give you an example. I had this crush on this guy in college, and in my, I would call him Shivers. Like, it, my nickname for him was Shivers because whenever I saw him, I would get chills up and down my neck. And I thought it was, you know, this was me, you know, 20 years old or whatever. And I was like, it's a sign that he's the one I'm getting chills. And I realized later that, no, it was just because I think I had a lot of blocked energy. And so when I was like overwhelmed with lots of feelings and they had nowhere to travel, the energy kind of like stopped right at the base of my neck. This is how I interpreted it, but he wasn't the one, like nothing ever happened and I just, that made me reassess the whole concept of chills and shivers. I love that. And that totally aligns with what I'm saying in some very convoluted way, which is that like, if I were to expand what chills are, I would say that chills are some sort of expansion and it's move. It's like, it's like, and, and, and what I would say is that it's some sort of energy, whether that's like emotional energy or truth, that's like hitting the drum of a block and because it's hitting the drum of a block like it's causing shivers in your body right like it is i think you're yes. right that it's like it's it's hitting something in your body that is blocked and it doesn't matter what's hitting it right whether it's a truth whether it's a an emotional reaction whatever it is it's like it's hitting that and therefore you're it's some sort of resistance happening and and maybe it's your resistance to the truth or i don't i don't know i don't know how it travels but i don't necessarily always think it means truth and i don't necessarily think it always means you know he's the one yeah yeah i i think that there's a lot of a tendency for us to 
attribute chills to I feel like I've seen a lot of people who attribute chills to to truth in some way or another or somebody who is like oh that's like that hits me really deep right and so that's just it's just an interesting thing but given that it's spooky season it makes sense that we're talking about haunted houses and so the next thing I wanted to talk about was about the the practice of waking up your house have you heard of this before Anna absolutely not Okay, so you know the movie Practical Magic? With Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman? Yes. Yes, with I love Sandra Bullock. Who, who doesn't love that movie? I know. Who doesn't love that movie? I'm just like, it's one of those movies where I'm just like, why haven't you done a sequel or something? Like, why hasn't it been remade in some magical way? Or even finding the other books, like by Alice Hoffman or whatever. But so the idea is, is that one of the main things in that, as well as the discovery of witches, which is like a really popular, which is like a witch and a, and a vampire fall in love. And, you know, it's, that's one of those things. It was a really good TV series. And it's also a series of books is that the, in both those cases, the houses are alive. Right. And the idea is that you don't need to, as we're coming into spooky season and as we're coming into these different places, there's a really simple way in which you can protect your house as opposed to setting up an animal to protect it or setting up yourself to protect it or putting up wards or cleansing it or saging it or whatever, what you do is you simply ask the house itself to protect itself, right? So the, the house naturally wants to protect its, in, its inhabitants and it also wants to be taken care of. And so if you go through the process, which is a relatively simple process of awakening your house, then your house protects itself and you don't actually have to worry about doing wards and other such things. And it's a very witchy thing to do because in those two stories, the houses were very much so characters. Okay, so how do you wake it up? So what I did to wake mine up, and this is a relatively recent thing that I did, because I was noticing that every time I left my house, something bad would happen, right? So my husband broke a window or the air conditioning stopped working or multiple times the well stopped working all when I was gone for maybe two or three days. And I was just like, okay, so is it because I'm leaving and I'm the natural protector of my house or is it because, you know, I couldn't quite figure it out. And so then I started becoming very intentional and I was like, okay, every time I leave the house, cause I was having to do a lot of traveling this fall. I was like, every time I leave the house, I'm going to ask my, my pets who are still here to protect the house. Right. And to like help, I'm going to set up, a, I'm going to set up something around the house and get my, my pets to like help with that. Right. Especially my cats. Cause they stay here. They were kind of okay, but I could tell it wasn't as strong. So I recently basically just like sat down in a quiet room in my house and I started talking to my house just like we can talk to our phones and our computers and our guides things along those lines I just imagined that my house had a voice and I started listening to it and I asked it to wake up and I have only just started this relationship but for me I feel like it's a beneficial experience because I feel as if it does protect itself and it wants to keep itself in order and maintain itself and that now I, I'm going to figure out like what it, I, I kind of want to progress the relationship to be like, what do you think needs to be looked after next, right? To kind of use it to see what I need to maintain within the house. Cause my house is like older and it's definitely like not, you know, it's, and that's the thing. I've always felt really weird about saying anything bad about my house inside my house. 
and I'm inside oh my, God, my house I'm the right same now. way when I'm driving my car and I see another car and I'm like, Ooh, that's a nice looking car. I'm, I, I like, I'm like, Oh, I don't want my car to get jealous. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time with my car. I never, ever say anything in my car. That is like, yeah. When I, right? when I was thinking about maybe selling my car and buying a new one and my husband, and I were going to talk about it outside. I was like, we need to go really far away to talk about this. He's like, why? I was like, I don't want my car to hear me. <laughs> So can you sense your house right now, Anna? Yeah. Yeah. I love my house. We're the first homeowners of this house because it was a new build. So I feel like the house only knows me. I mean, us. Right. If you were to ask it to come alive, what do you think? Do you feel like it would be okay with that? I think it's already alive. What do you get when you test it? I think it's already alive. I think you can be more active in your relationship with it, but I think it's already alive. All right. Yeah. Okay. So it's already telling me it wants us me to clean the attic windows. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this can't be a Cinderella story. <laughs> you need to get off your lazy ass bitch and I said, clean what can these I attic do windows. For you? And I, I said, what can I do for you? And it showed me this image of it's like attic windows that have not been cleaned in since we've lived here so eight years wow well maybe that'll do something for maybe that'll do something for your like you know because like it's like feng shui that like it'll help you see clear in your mind's eye yeah i'll do it for her it'll take 10 minutes whatever yeah that's good that's brilliant we wanted to end today's short with anna reading a story that i really enjoyed um which was about using your house. So again, we'll say this using your house as a neutral zone, a no fighting zone, no conflict zone for um, angels and demons. While putting your favorite condiment on a sandwich, you accidentally make a magical occult symbol and summon a demon. You silently take two more slices of bread out of the package and make another sandwich. You put it on a plate with a handful of potato chips and hand it to the demon. He takes the sandwich, smiles, and vanishes in a puff of demonic smoke. The next day, you get the job promotion you were after. There was no contract, no words spoken. You owe nothing. But every now and then, another demon pops in for lunch. Demons don't often get homemade sandwiches. It would be a little annoying if they weren't so nice about it. You don't know what you expected demons to be like, but you certainly didn't expect them to be nice about it. There's no demands, no voices like wailing babies, no blood on the wall. Well, there was that one time, but Baltazak was very apologetic about the whole thing and cleaned it up right away. Just the occasional demon stopping by for lunch. In fact, you could almost forget that they weren't just ordinary people the way they act. Nice people too. You start talking with them. As time goes by, in the beginning, you carefully pick your words so they couldn't be spun to even imply a contract or reference a soul. But when they seem politely eager to have a normal chat, your words become a bit looser. You even begin gossiping with them. Turns out demons have break room gossip, just like everyone else. You listen to Rick, the, 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 the account of Droxiar's torrid affair with Irkillis. And Firkian didn't even know what Drory was doing behind his back, poor dear. And you kept quiet and let Firkia cry on your shoulder after Drokyarik finally broke it off with him. The shirt was a bit of a loss. Demon tears are ruinous to cloth. But Firkian's a good sort and you couldn't just turn him away. You even managed to talk him down from going and starting a fight with Irkulis, who didn't even know that Drokyark was in a relationship and who was almost as horrified as Rek Thik 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 Thik
after that event in particular, you start to get sort of a reputation as a place where a demon can come to relax, talk, and of course, get a sandwich. Your sandwich making skills have really improved since this whole thing began. Your luck seems to have improved too. You're not sure if you can attribute the whole thing to the sandwiches and the reputation, but you don't really want to know anyway. One day, there's a bright flash of light from your room, nothing unusual in itself. Most of the young demons haven't quite the style of their elders and usually just go for materialization in a flash of hellfire over your fireplace, except that it's white instead of the usual red. You look up and who do you see but an angel looking at you with a spear in his hand? Shrugging, you tell him to sit down and you'll have a sandwich for him shortly. And meanwhile, he can just tell you all about what's on his mind. This clearly is not at all what he was expecting, but after a moment's thought, he decides to take you up on your offer and starts talking. Apparently, he'd been dispatched to take care of some demon summoner in the neighborhood, and while he'd evidently got the house wrong, the right one shouldn't be hard to find. Have you seen anyone practicing satanic rituals nearby? You laugh a little and tell him that you don't really summon them, they just come on their own. They do like their sandwiches, and they're quite nice folk. The angel's jaw drops, and you remind him to chew with his mouth closed. It took a bit of explaining with the first angel to arrive, telling him about the first accidental summoning, and then how the demons just started by around lunchtime on your days off. But once he understood what's been going on, and he finished the sandwich, he nodded solemnly and said he would get this all straightened out upstairs. You eventually started getting more angels coming around for lunch. Sometimes they bring a small dessert for you to share after the sandwiches, and the dishes are always magically clean and put back in the cupboard when they leave. Side note, I would really like those angels. You learn that angels don't have much of their own drama, but they do know all the truths about human tabloid drama, and they are more than willing to dish on what the Kardashians have been up to. The first time an angel and a demon show up for lunch on the same day, it's a little tense. You tell them that all are welcome for lunch in your house and that you would prefer it to be a no-conflict zone. It takes a while for them to settle, but eventually they grow comfortable enough to start chatting, which is when you learn that because demons are technically fallen angels, you've been having two sides of an estranged family over for lunch regularly. Soon, you have an angel and a demon at every lunch, old friends and estranged siblings meeting up to reconnect over a sandwich at your dining room table. You help the ones who had fallen out of reach come to an understanding, and you get to hear wild stories of what the old realm was like. One day, as you're pulling out the bread and cheese, a messenger demon appears. You greet him and tell him a sandwich will be ready soon, but he declines. He is here on behalf of Lucifer to ask if it's all right for you to enter your dwelling so as to meet with his brother Michael over sandwiches. A little stunned, you agree. The demon disappears and you prepare three sandwiches, setting them at the table. When Lucifer, the actual devil, appears in a small puff of smoke, you welcome him and ask him what he'd like to drink. As you're fetching the apple juice, a blinding flash of light comes from the dining room, indicating Michael's arrival. You grab a second cup and walk back in to find a tense standoff between the brothers. You set down the cups of juice while calmly reminding them that this is a conflict-free zone, and if they are going to fight, please take it to an alternative plane of existence. They don't fight. They sit and enjoy sandwiches and talk about what happened. You learn a lot about why creation started, what the purpose of humanity was, and what it's going to be. You only, and what it's grown to be, you only have to defuse two arguments. And at the end, when it's time for them to leave, they hug each other, agreeing to meet up again somewhere else. In the following weeks, you have the usual assortment of demons and angels stopping by. The regulars ask how your mom is doing and if your friend is settling into their new apartment nicely. At some point during each visit, though, they ask if it's true. Did Lucifer and Michael really come for lunch? You tell them yes, but won't say what was talked about. They're disappointed because everyone likes gossip, but they understand. Before they leave, you ask each angel and demon about this idea you have for the summer. 
What if you had a barbecue on the back patio for everyone who wanted to come? They think it sounds like a fun idea. So AM <laughs> wanted us to read that. <laughs> and you did a very good job of the demon names, by the way, Anna. So oh, new. God. They're spelled <laughs> so difficultly. But yeah, Anna did a very lovely prayer. And in it, she talked about polarization. And so I felt like that story was a very good representation of a very old polarization um, moved into a new space where you can choose that your house becomes a conflict-free zone for angels and demons. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening to this TSF short. If you like us and you want other people to find us, please leave us a comment on iTunes, give us a star rating, or if you listen somewhere else, follow or like for any of those podcast things so people can find us. Thanks, y'all. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.